Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right. Hey, we're starting a new series today and the topic is going to be joy. Come on. Can somebody just use some joy in the house, some joy in their life? Some return unto me the joy of my salvation. Sometimes life just gets a little rough sometimes, right? Sometimes there's a neighbor that just presses every button that shouldn't be pressed, and sometimes we just need some joy. And so I'm going to go ahead and get you prepared because over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you everything I've got, and we're going to talk about all kinds of things. We're going to step all over your toes. We're going to talk about money and sex and cancer and mountaintops and valley lows. Come on, somebody. And how there could be joy in the midst of all of it. Uh, actually, this week, Miss Judy Evans, stand up so everyone can see the wonderful Miss Judy Evans. Stand to your feet. Oh, man, just as tall as my wife, Devin. I tell you what, Judy is amazing. You don't ever catch her without some joy in her life. She is always smiling. She was just texted me this week and was encouraging me and loving on me. And I said, Judy, you just need to preach the sermon this week. So at any point, if you just need to stop me, it's all yours, girl. I just love it. I love being around some people that have some joy. I remember years ago, and we'll get to it in a minute in John chapter 4. Um, years ago, I, I was a missionary. I was in Indonesia and just loved it over there. Got to surf some of the best waves in all of the world. Eat some of the best food. The temperature was always good, except for when it wasn't. Uh, man, I just loved it. But I remember coming back here to the States, and for years, for years, there's, there was this voice in the back of my mind that was like, it was better there. Like, those were the good days. Now you're in Shalot. You got to surf 12-foot barreling waves. Now you get to surf 2-foot, hopefully try to catch it waves. From eating this amazing food, like everything's organic, to like Frosted Flakes. And I remember, like, has anybody had that? Anybody had that voice like, oh, those were the good days. If we could just get back to those. And I'm here to tell you this morning, the enemy is a liar. The enemy is a lie. I'm here to tell you that your best days are ahead of you. That in his presence, there is joy forevermore. And I'm here to tell you, like, I am a walking, talking example of someone who has found the joy of Jesus. Literally, like, the, especially like within the last three, four years since COVID, like there has just been a joy that God, only you can do this work in me and through me and be just as content surfing those 12-foot waves and these one-foot waves. Just as content with that food and the cornflakes. Just as content with the mountaintops and the valley lows. Just as content with all of it and sitting on the couch just reading a book, laying in the hammock. Now, if you're in the room and you're a teenager, you're like, that sounds really boring. That's because you're still young. You will enjoy the slower life as you get slower. <laughs> joy, joy. Turn with me to the book of John, chapter 4. 
you don't have, it's going to be on the screen. It says this. Now, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, the disciples did. So Jesus did this upon hearing this news. He left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on his way and eventually came to a Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at noontime. One of my favorite scriptures, just the fact that we're seeing the humanity of Jesus. Like, yeah, 100% God, but 100% man too. The brother got tired. The sun's out, it's hot, it's noontime, and I just need to rest by this well. The humanity of Jesus in this moment. Long day, long walk. Has anybody been on a long walk, a long few years? Some tough moments, some tough conversations, some tough things happening with your family. Jesus feels you. So it's there, and it's noontime, and soon a Samaritan woman came to drink water, and Jesus says to her, please give me a drink. Now, he was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Now, the conversation continues where Jesus begins to talk to the Samaritan woman. He reads her mail, tells her all of these things that she's done, and she's just blown away. And she's like, she goes and she begins to tell people, like, this is the man who told me everything I've ever done. He was there. They talked about the water, the well. They talked about worship. And we're going to talk about some of that in the next coming weeks. But for now, I want to skip down to verse 31. Now, at this point in time, the disciples have come back from the town buying the food for Jesus. It says, meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, please, just eat something. But Jesus replied, I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. Mmm, I've got some food that you don't know anything about. I've got some snacks in the cupboard, y'all. And I want to tell you what they're all about. Now, did someone bring him food while we were gone? How, how, did, how did he eat? We, were, we weren't gone that long. Did someone bring him some food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. And Jesus explained, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. Oh, man, that's so good. So good. We're going to get to that in a minute. So we'll back up. Beginning with verse 1 there, Jesus uh, knows what the conversation is happening amongst the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the leaders of the law at that time. And they look at Jesus' ministry and they're like, oh, Jesus is making more disciples than John. John has been making more disciples than up us. And then the, 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 the faith community is in an uproar because, oh, no, they're disrupting our way of life. They're disrupting the way that we should do things, and Jesus' popularity is rising. People are uh, speaking his name. His ministry is growing, and this puts a huge target on Jesus' back because they were already trying to figure out how they could get rid of John, and they're getting ready to do that soon, and now all of a sudden they're beginning to think of how can they get rid of Jesus too. Now, this is important because the complaint 
the knowledge, the thing that they're talking about is the fact that Jesus is making more disciples than them. John is being, being even overtaken by all of this happening. And there's the realization that as these disciples begin to follow their rabbis, they become like their rabbis. And so the Pharisees wanted men and women to become more like them. And John's disciples were very clear on John. Hey, no, this is what we're doing. We are preparing the way for the coming king, and that his disciples are following him out into the desert, and the message is going forth. John is this crazy guy, and all of a sudden the message is spreading. And then Jesus comes onto the scene, and Jesus is now producing disciples in the way of himself, becoming like the rabbi. This is very important because this is the reality of being a disciple of Christ. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And so the Pharisees are producing disciples in the manner of their Phariseeism. And Jesus is producing disciples in the manner of Jesus, which is the way, the truth, and the life. And it's frustrating the Pharisees. Now what's interesting too is the Pharisees uh, are supposedly the insiders that are supposed to be sharing the love of God and the realities and the truth of the scripture within the community. But what they're doing is they're just building a band unto themselves. They're building this life that's all about them and how it could benefit them. And it's even more interesting is that they actually had good doctrine in a lot of the things that they were doing. There was a big upset between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and uh, the big kind of cutting line was the resurrection of the dead, and to which the Pharisees had good doctrine because, yes, they believed in the resurrection of the dead dead. The Sadducees didn't. And so they had things in line scripturally. But who knows that, y'all, they were missing something. They were missing a whole lot of somethings. And, and one of the things, as you look through the scriptures, one of the things that you'll see about the Pharisees is this. You never see them joyful. You never see a Pharisee having a good time. You never see a Pharisee celebrating and just, man, that was so good. Uh, because everything in their life is built on this type of legalism and following the rules and following the law. And here's the thing about legalism. Legalism in its logical conclusion leads to a bunch of things, but two uh, of, of the things that happen every time is this. Legalism erases all joy and it despises grace. Legalism, when lived out practically in this life, it does it every time. It erases all joy and it despises grace. John Piper puts it like this. Legalism is the failure to no longer be amazed by grace. Legalism is the failure to no longer be amazed by grace. And the Pharisees, and they're looking at Jesus, and, they're, and they're, he's making more disciples. They have stopped being amazed by grace. They've lost all their joy. Joy has become an illusion because a Pharisee can never celebrate because it's all about them. We've got to protect our rep. Jesus is getting more followers on Instagram. John has more people following him. They're getting more likes. More people are listening to his message. How will this affect us? Jesus is doing amazing things. Man, people are getting healed. Oh, yeah, 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 but Jesus is healing them on the Sabbath, so that's a problem. Says, says the Pharisees, right? Doesn't say the people who got healed. 
You never find the dude who got healed be like, sorry, Jesus, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> no, no, it's like, no, like, they, they can't. They can just see all the negativity. It, it, this is the person that you invite to the party. Like, we're going to have a party. There's going to be music. There's going to be fun. We're going to be dancing. Everybody's going to have a good time. Oh, well, what are you serving? Oh, you're going to have peanuts? I've got allergies. I can't come. Right? I think some people are just allergic to a good time. Come on, y'all. Especially within the church sometimes. You find people like, ah, I don't know. I, I really didn't like the second song. Jody didn't hit the high note just right. She missed a verse. I don't know if I could go back to that church. Like, are you allergic to worship? Like, come on. It wasn't about you. Come on. Some of us, like this, it, it creeps in on all of us. This legalism, this Phariseeism, this thing that wants, and we don't know how to party. We don't know how to have joy. We fail to see the amazing grace. Loss of grace equals loss of joy. Loss of joy reproduces a generation of people in which Jesus rebukes. Every time, every time. And here's where it, its roots are steeped in comparison. But they have more than us. You want to know how to suck the absolutely joy out of life the quickest way possible? Start comparing yourself to others. Just, just start comparing yourself. It will suck the joy out of life. Now, this happens, Jesus heard. He's sitting down beside the well. He's left this town, which, again, oh, starting to compare. We're going to leave this place. That's a whole other sermon. Um, he's, he's tired for this, from this journey. Just, come on, man, they're not even getting it. Sits down beside this well, new time, has this conversation with the woman. And oftentimes we focus on the conversation with the woman, but I want to focus for a minute on the conversation with the disciples. Because the first thing, the disciples come back because they've had this walk and they've bought this food and they're trying to help Jesus out. Because they see, man, he was tired, so we're going to give him some food. He's going to sit there. Uh, they come back and all of a sudden there's this crowd gathered around. Jesus is ministering and, and, and he's good. And he says this to him: I have a kind of food that you know nothing about. I've got something that you don't even know about. Have you ever seen people in like, uh, like, oh, they're, they're, you're looking good. You're on a good diet. What are you doing? Is that Atkins? Is that what? Is, like, this is Jesus saying, listen, I've got nourishment. This is what I'm, this is what fills my soul. This is what keeps me healthy. And I don't know about you, but I want to know what kind of G diet Jesus is on. I want to know how do you live this life with pure joy in the midst of all of these things going on all around you? even when you're tired by the well and it's been a long week and it's been a long walk. And she said, I've got some nourishment that I want to share with you because you guys have yet to tap into this. I've got some trail mix for this journey of life. Come on, some trail mix Jesus is about to give us. Y'all remember, I, I, was, I might be the wrong crowd. <laughs> I, I'm going to shoot the arrow. <laughs> it might land, it might not. Y'all remember that movie Dumb and Dumber? Yeah. All right, okay, okay. Yeah. Classic growing up, Jim Carrey, Jeff Daniels, just hilarious movie. Absolutely. Come on, Bryce. Come on. Come on, Bryce. And 
there's this scene in the movie where I think they're traveling to Colorado or something, trying to return some luggage, swimmy, 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 Samsonite. We were, anyway, and they're sitting by this fire, and they're warming their hands, and Jeff Daniels is just freezing. He's just, oh, it's so cold out here. It's so cold out here. And to which Jim Carrey is like, oh, try these extra gloves. My hands are sweating. <laughs> and, Jim, and Jeff Daniels just gets mad. Just, What? And all I could think about when I read this scripture was that scene. Because this is exactly what's happening on. Like, they're weary from the journey. The disciples are going to get food. They're in a land that they don't want to be in. Because Jews don't interact with Samaritans. Jesus is talking to a woman who, she, who he shouldn't be talking to. He, he, he's weary, but then all of a sudden he's full. Like, we went to go buy the food, but wait, Jesus, you already had some food. You've got some nourishment. Why didn't you just share? You could have saved us some time. We didn't have to go to this place. You had some extra gloves, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. What's, what's going on here? And you could kind of see the little bit of the frustration because there's not just frustration on the disciples' part. There's also frustration on the woman on the well's part. Because the woman at the well is frustrated because it's noontime. She's going out there by herself. She's had this life. She's had a hard life. And Jesus has this thing with her. Just like, listen, if you ask me for some water, I'll give you some liver. You ain't ever got to come to this well again. And so should we, yeah, Jesus, give me that water because I'm tired of walking to this well day after day after day after day. Whatever water you got, I need it. Whatever nutrients you have, Whatever nutrition that you're feeding off of, I need it. And it's not just this woman. It's not just the disciples. It's all of humanity. It's, it's, it's the same today. We are chasing things that don't satisfy. We're chasing things. We're chasing, oh, if I just have that, if I just have X amount of dollars in the bank, if I get that, if I get married, if I do these things, if we have 2.2 kids, if we have, then I'll be happy. And it doesn't satisfy. And Jesus is saying, listen, I've got some things that you don't even know of. I've got some nutrients. I've got something that filled me up even when I was tired. Something that can fill me up in the high times and the low times. Fill me up when I have to leave a place because they're trying to get into comparison. A couple weeks ago, maybe it was last week, Chris McKenzie was, was here, and he gave the word, uh, Pastor Chris, uh, elder at the church. Man, just amazing Amazing man of God. Just honored to have him lead us. And uh, I've had so many conversations with him. And I remember this one particular conversation where uh, we were just sitting down and he was just, yeah, telling me a little bit about his story. And he's told some of y'all a little bit of the story, but lost his house to the ocean because the ocean will take them all at some point. And he lost house. I mean, we were stacking up sandbags and like, no, it took the house. Moved down here, economy crashed, almost lost everything. Uh, business was horrible. This happened. Man, had a heart attack, almost died. And then, then he turns and looks at me and it's like, but God's good. Ooh, what? And in that moment, there's a realization that this brother's been drinking from a well that doesn't run dry. This brother has a peace that passes all understanding. This brother has a joy that isn't dependent upon outward circumstances, and I want it. 
I'm like this woman at this well. I'm like the disciples. What food are you eating of? What nourishment that you have? Because I need it. And I need it desperately. Just this last week, uh, we got invited. Uh, me and my wife, we were in Mexico. We were spending some time with a whole bunch of pastors in Mexico. And on the way back, good old American Airlines. Ooh, American Airlines got the best of me, y'all. We're literally like, you know, delay, 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 customs, blah, 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 blah. And we're pulling up to DFW. They had already messed up our flights. Anyway, we're like, oh, we can make it. And so we're running through the airport. We're running, we're running, like boom, boom, boom. I am, get, excuse us, excuse us, excuse us. Get out of the way, old lady. Get out of the way. I know you're in a wheelchair, but you don't just move, you know. And we're just running through the airport. And we get there, we get to the gate, we get to E25. And we're like, yes, and the, the airplane's right there. And I'm like, the door's closed. And the lady's like, sorry. I'm like, but the plane's right there. Like, if you just open the door, it'll be okay. I won't tell anyone the plane. Sorry, sir, it's already leaving. But it's not. It's not leaving. This is American Air. Y'all are late for everything. I'm like, all right. If you just go see them at the counter, they will fix your flights with the worst possible flights we can give you. That's another story for another day. So anyway, we're there. We're waiting in another gigantic line. And uh, there's another terminal where we're going for the customer service. There's another terminal. And I'm watching the flight, and they're boarding their flight. And then I realize they get to the end of the flight, and then they begin to call all the customers who were on standby to get onto the flight. And I realized, wow, oh, that's why they didn't open the door. They had already given away our seats. Because somebody that was waiting on standby needed to get home. And so I remember me and Devin just were like, you know what? We didn't get to get home, but maybe somebody else that really did need to get home got home. Now, it took me a while to get there. <laughs> I'm not Chris McKenzie, y'all. I'm in process. I'm in process. I had to learn to draw from that well, and it took a while. It took a while. I've got some nourishment, and here goes the first snack. Are you ready for the first handful of trail mix that Jesus gives us? He says, my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. The thing that satisfies my soul in times of hunger. When the sun is out and it's noonday and I've been on a long walk, the nourishment that I have comes from doing the will of the Father. Being obedient to God. If you are living in disobedience to what God has called you to do, you will never enjoy the snacks. If you are living in disobedience to what God has called you to do, you will never know what it is to truly enter into the joy that he has for you, the peace that passes all understanding. You will end up kind of like Jonah. God will call you to do something that you don't understand why you have to do this thing, and so you'll book a ticket in the opposite way. You'll end up on a luxury liner going to a beach in a completely different direction, but you can't even enjoy the boat ride because you're not doing what God's told you to do. And so the second there's a storm, 
The second something goes wrong in your life, all you want will just throw me over. I just don't need to throw in the towel. I just need to give up. I just need to quit because you can't even enjoy the boat ride because you thought anything would be better than going to this place. But God says, no, 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 I'm telling you, if you will do what I've called you to do, there is joy in it, even if you don't understand it. How many times do we get hungry or have a long day and we try and run off and find joy somewhere else? We try and and buy it in some other village, try and fill that hole in our heart with some other thing some other position, some other title, some other power, sex, money, whatever it might be. We fill our lives with all of this alternative stuff, and it's killing us. It's killing us. We drink from the sippy cup of of happiness, and we're missing the well of joy. And we do it time time again. And I think one of the best examples of this is the way we use our money. Come on, we live in, man, America, it just seems like everything's about money. And, and, and even, even in church sometimes, there's, there's this kind of hesitancy, like, all the church wants is my money. And yet the scriptures are like, I want you to tithe. And here's, here's the thing, tithing don't make sense, y'all. I'm like, Jesus, you ain't broke. You don't need my money. Cattle on a thousand hills. Why do you need my few bucks? Because there's actually something in it for you that I'm trying to teach you, Lucas. I'm trying to teach you where your heart's at. And and the truth is, I'm not asking for 10%. I'm asking for all of it. Every penny of it's yours, Lord. Every bit of my life. Every moment. It's not just Sunday mornings that are yours, Jesus. Every minute of every hour of every day. I'm just a steward of it. This relationship with my wife, I'm a steward of it. My kids, I'm stewarding those kids. I'm stewarding these finances, all of these things. And it doesn't make sense, the tithe, the Sabbath. The Sabbath. That I could actually get more done by not doing anything. The world says, that don't make no sense. Jesus says, ah, this is my way. My nourishment is doing the will of the Father Actually, the scripture is like, test me in this. See what I'll do. Guys, I've been testing God for the last 25 years. Man, and he has blessed us every single time. Uh, as a matter of fact, this church, month of October, serve month, and there's actually some more things that still to come that y'all don't even know that we've done yet that we're going to celebrate. But in the month, we gave almost $24,000 into missions into outreach, into, yeah. Listen, and we gave that $24,000 at a time where we need a lot of money because we're building a building. And, and, and I looked at it, I was like, God, that's 24 grand. That, that's another air conditioning unit. That's come with someone. That air conditioning is expensive. And, uh, but I looked, and I said, oh, 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 24000 and some of them reap 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold, and 100-fold is 2.4 million, and our loan is 2.4 million. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Come on, Jesus. Do what you do. But here's the thing. We didn't do what we did so that way we could get the 2.4 million. That's a byproduct. The prime product of what we did is because Jesus told us to do it. 
Jesus told us to give this money. And so whether or not that comes or not, there is a joy in it. And that is the difference between the prosperity gospel and the gospel. Because the prosperity gospel says, oh, we give and we give all things so we could get more. No, no, no. We give because it's a joy to give and it's obedience and it's what God's called us to do. And whether we reap that harvest or not, oh my, because there is a harvest, it might be for generations to come. And that's okay, God. And so I could find joy in this, that we've sowed these seeds. As a matter of fact, we had applied for a grant last year and didn't get the grant. And I thought, okay, well, this year, this year we'll get the grant because we're really in need and God's going to provide for us. And I got a letter in the mail that we didn't get the grant again. And I just wrote him a letter back saying, you know what? It's okay. Thank you. Because somebody else did. And I want to thank you for your hard work and what you're doing. And we celebrate your work for the kingdom. Why? Because when one wins, we all win. And it doesn't have to be us. We celebrate with other churches. We celebrate with other people. We celebrate with those down the street. Why? Because I refuse to be a Pharisee. I refuse to trade my joy for a dollar amount. And Jesus said, my nourishment comes from doing this. When everything, when I might be weary in my body, there's nourishment from coming and doing what God has called me to do. That's why he can look at the cross and say, the joy that was set before me. He's getting ready to face a cross. And he says, oh, it's the joy. Why? Because I know what it's going to produce. And I know what God's already done. And I know that the Father has called me to do this. So it's with a great joy that I do it. Here's the kicker. Most of the time, when God calls you to do something, he's not going to even tell you why. And it's our first question to him. Well, why, God? I, I, I want you to do this, son. Well, why? I ain't going to tell you. I just want to see if you'll do it. Y'all think I'm joking. Y'all know that's how he works. I don't, God does not need to explain himself. I just want you to do it. A while ago... This happens to me. I don't know how the Holy Spirit speaks to you, but when the Holy Spirit's to me, 95% of the time, it's not like hyper-spiritual. It's just, I'm driving down the road, and oh, there's a two-by-four in the road that everybody's swerving. Lucas, stop your car, get on the side of the road, and pick up that two-by-four. But I've already passed it, Jesus. <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to get the two-by-four. Come on, you don't know what I'm talking about? And then you fight with God for five minutes, and you're already five minutes down the road, and then you're like, okay, i got to listen. And then you turn back, and you get the two-by-four out of the road, and you put it in the back of your truck, and then you're like, well, why? And then he doesn't say anything else. <laughs> um, I was in D.C. not too long ago, and we were walking. It was a busy street. There was just lots of people, and there was a lady. They were eating their lunch on the outside of the little cafe, and I guess her purse had fallen off of the, the chair, and it kind of was out into the aisle a little bit, and there was just all these people, and, and everybody's just walking around it, and I just walked around it, and I just, Holy Spirit was like, no, go tell that woman that she's dropped her purse. But I'm still walking. <laughs> I'm late. I'm, okay. I went, I told the lady, and she got her purse. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and God didn't tell me why. And so my mind starts racing. Well, maybe that two-by-four in the middle of the road, maybe a single mom would have hit it and gotten a flat tire and would have messed up her day. 
Maybe somebody would have stole that lady's purse and maybe her passport was in her purse and it would have just caused her. Maybe none of those things happened. Maybe it was just for me to see if I would be obedient. And my nourishment comes from doing the will of the Father. And he doesn't have to tell me why. And you've got to be okay with that. You've got to be okay with not knowing the end results. You've got to be okay with God. Just put it into your hands. No matter what you do, it's yours. Jesus told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem. If you want to be an effective disciple with a joy, with a joy that could face the persecution that is coming, you know what you're going to need? The Holy Spirit. You've got to be able to hear the voice of God and be obedient. And sometimes that obedience is simply God saying, wait. Wait. Sabbath. Tithe. Rest. Pick up a two-by-four. Enter into this thing that I'm called you to do. Because I've learned this lesson. Y'all have heard me tell you all this a hundred times, church. You can't do the next thing until you've done the last thing. And some of us are wondering why joy is so elusive. Because Jonah, you've got to turn that boat around. And you've got to do the thing that God's called you to do. You've got to release forgiveness to your neighbor. You've got to release that frustration of not knowing how it's going to work out. You've got to put your kids back in Jesus' hands and out of your hands. You've got to stop trying to manipulate the situation. You've got to stop trying to do everything in your strength and saying, God, not my will, but yours be done. You've got to sit wearily beside a well sometimes and refuse to drink the sippy cup of happiness. I will not sell out my joy for some temporary fading thing that the world says is going to satisfy because it never does. It never does. I ask everyone to stand to their feet. I'm ask just Chris to come up on the keys today. Jesus tells us, listen, it is a joy to obey. It's a joy to do the will of my Father, to see it come to completion. It is a joy to give, church. It is a joy to worship. It is a joy to praise. It is a joy to sit by wells and watch God fill you up on your journey even when the sun is burning hot. This is a nourishment that the world can never produce. Here's the last thing about joy. Joy works like a crock pot. It's not a microwave. Joy has to be stepped into every morning and chosen. I choose joy. I choose to be obedient. I choose these snacks in the back. Because God, you have something that even your disciples didn't know about, but you're teaching them. You're teaching them how to have it. And I'm telling you, obedience is not this chains that the world makes it out to be. It's actual freedom. When you are obedient to what God is calling you to do, I'm telling you, there is a freedom. He'll have you doing things that you never thought you'd find joy in. You never thought, man, I never thought. I remember as a kid growing up, and mom would always say, it's better to give than receive. No, it ain't. 
I like these presents at Christmas. Now, I don't need nothing. I love seeing my kid's face light up. And I understand what she was talking about. And it's with great joy that when we live this life in obedience to his calling, you teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. And I gotta tell you, church, 14 years ago, when God called us to start this church, I didn't do it with joy. But I did do it in obedience. And somewhere along the line, God changed my heart. God changed my heart to, I love it. I love what you have me doing. I had a different plan for my life. I was gonna be the missionary in Indonesia and do all these amazing things and come back with the great stories. But Jesus, I'm okay with Shalot. Come on. place in your soul that God wants to enter that isn't dependent upon the circumstances around you, that isn't dependent on things going right or wrong, or you missing your flight or making your flight, or no matter what that doctor's report says, no matter how dire the circumstances in your marriage look right now, it's a hole that only Jesus can fill. I have nourishment that you don't know, but I'm teaching you, and I want you to have it. So as a church, we choose to celebrate. We choose not to compare. We choose to party as much as we can. We choose to raise up other churches and celebrate them as they win. We choose to wait on God. We wait for 14 years for our home building, y'all. We choose to wait on you as you choose to wait on me because we're all growing in this together because it's a joy to obey. Bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Jesus, you've got some snacks in the back. You've got some things that we need desperately, God. Your peace that passes all understanding desperately that joy in the midst of the heartache and the confusion and the noonday sun. And we simply say, come, Lord Jesus. You don't have to explain yourself. We will obey no matter what you've called us to. We are yours. Maybe some of you, two prayers I want to pray. Some of you are in the room today and kind of like Jonah. You know what God's called you to do, but you've been running in the opposite direction. You've been battling spouts of depression. Even right now in your mind, you can't understand how you could find more joy in that other thing. And you just need to surrender it to God. because he he, he's going to do some things that you don't even, you couldn't even believe possible. 
There's some other folks that you've been running in the opposite direction your entire life. And the Holy Spirit is saying, today is the day of your salvation. Surrender, repent, because I want you, my son, my daughter. If that's you and you're in the room with every head bowed, with every eyes closed, I'm asking you to just put your hand real high in the air. I just want to lead you in a prayer of surrender to Jesus. Is there anybody in the room? If you put that hand up, please leave it up high so I can see it. The Father calling you today. Even now at this moment where <laughs> where appears what maybe a little two-year-old boy raised his hand. Bless him, Father. Before you formed us in the womb, you knew us, so I speak life over that child. I speak a prophet to the nations over that child, who even today at his young age has heard your word. And so, Holy Spirit, we speak life over him, over his parents, over his family. Be with them. Lord, for the rest of us that are journeying with you and towards you, and in the dust of our rabbi's feet, we surrender. Come, Lord Jesus. Have your way in us. Chris, I don't know what you're playing, but just for a minute, can you lead us in just some worship for a few few moments. And just for, for a few moments, if everyone could just not move around. This moment's just you and Jesus. And, and actually, don't, don't even sing the words, but just let Chris sing over you for a moment.
take a second to sing your own words. Just again, it's you and Jesus. We worship you, God. We glorify your name. We say you're holy in this place, Lord. You're holy, God. You're Lord over our families. You're Lord over our marriages. You're Lord over our workplace. Lord, you're Lord over our finances. God, you're so holy. Holy is your name. Oh, we just bless your name this morning, Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. Surround us with your love. Can we just give it up for Jesus one time? Oh, so good. So good. Oh, just a little peace. Just a little peace in the room. I don't know about you, but I could just use a little peace right now. Just good. Just peace. Just the peace of God. Hey, listen, if you need prayer for anything, anything. Uh, wait, what, was, that, was that like your song? It was in the wrong key. <laughs> you pulled it off, though, man. You pulled it off. It was so good. I love it. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, we have some folks that would love, love, love to pray with you. If you're wondering what your next step is, talk to those guys right there at the Next Step table. Man, if you haven't been baptized yet, sign up. Now's the time to get baptized. You can give at those baskets uh, on the way out. You can also do it online. Church, we love you. Come back next Sunday, part two of joy. Amen, amen, grace, and peace. God bless. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.